Good morning. It's good to see each of you here. How many of you went to Believe? I want to see the students on their feet. How many of you went to Believe? I want to see the coaches on their feet. Come on. Come on, Peter. You can do this. You can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do this. Coaches, rest of you are asleep. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for doing that. Man, we had, we had a group of kids uh, down at Bank of Kentucky, right? I think that's where it was, right? You were at BBT? Yeah. Bank of Kentucky Arena, and just an amazing 24 hours. The coaches, you can tell them, they all came in with their eyes kind of blinking, and the kids are all wired up. It was a great, great, great experience for them. Both of our campuses went together for that time. This, as I was sitting over here thinking, as, uh, just reflecting on this past week, a couple things came to mind for me, and I, and I just want to begin to pray uh, in this service for you. Got a, got a phone call the first part of the week. Great celebration. One of my friends was released from prison after several years, and that, that has been an answer to prayer and challenge in his life. Got another phone call from a family that, that just had walked through some really difficult things and some good things are happening in their life. Get a phone call from another family where, where things are just crashing down around them and the challenges that they face. Next week, we're installing Nathan as our next senior minister, and so I want you to be praying for him and for his family, 2.30 next uh, Sunday afternoon at the Coleraine campus. But James tells us very simply this, if any of you are suffering hardship, let them pray. Anybody have hardship in your life? And if you have praises in your life, it says, sing those praises, and we just got through singing some of those things through the ashes of our life. It says, if any of you are sick, Call for the elders to pray over you and to anoint you with oil. So what, what I want you to do right now, I want to pray over you. And so if you just put your palms up as you're sitting there and, and just receive what God wants to give to you this morning. Lord, in these few mon- minutes, I'm praying for our folks here. Father, I'm asking your blessing upon their lives. I'm praying that you would bring a word of courage to their life, that you would bring a word of peace and a word of strength into their lives. For Lord, you have promised to do that. Father, it's in these moments that we come before your throne and we just throw ourselves before you, asking you to care for us. Father, we have families that are in turmoil because of death and because of of upset and unrest. I pray that you would bring peace and comfort into their lives. Father, we have have individuals who are struggling with just accepting the grace of God in their lives. Father, I pray that you would just be powerful in their lives. Father, we're, we're, we're coming before you because we have people who are wrapped up in the, in just in the, in the jail and the bars of addiction and of, uh, of awful things. Father, I pray that, that they, would, they would come before you so that you could break down those bars, break down those barriers. Father, we, we have people who are struggling with their health right now, and I pray, Lord, that you would bring power into their lives. And Father, I thank you that, that we can praise you for the amazing things that we've seen happen in this past week. Father, we cover this whole week with prayer because we know that the evil one, any time that your church is moving forward and doing battle in a way in which we're seeing victory, that the evil one is not going to sit still. So Lord, we pray your blessing over Nathan and his family as they prepare for this next week and for a new month and a new ministry. And Father, I thank you for bringing Nathan and Denise and kids to this moment in their lives. I pray your blessing upon them now. Father, we we lift up these things in the gracious and powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said together, amen. Hey, it is so good to be with you today. We're in the middle of our series. We're calling it Wind and Fire. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We've had a pretty simple 
kind of a calm winter so far, right? I mean, there, a couple years ago, I remember the winter was much more difficult, and power went out at our house. Just as it might in your, your situation, when power goes out at the house, that means the heat's not going to work well, and so on and so forth. So I call up the utility, and I say, hey, power's out. When can I expect it back? And they say, oh, you know, there's a lot of people around uh, are out of power, and so we can't guarantee you when that's all going to come back on. And so I take about two or three hours, and I decide to call them again. This is no, I'm not bashing any of our uh, uh, power companies now whenever I tell this story. But I call them back, and, and I said, what, what, what can we expect? When can we expect the power back on? And the attendant says to me in a very bright, bright voice, says, Sir, we, we are making announcements at the top of every hour on the television stations. Just stay tuned. What? what? If I don't have power, how have I got a television station? I mean, you, you get that kind of stuff going on. In some ways, that's how we approach the Holy Spirit conversation. People ask us questions about the Holy Spirit, and we answer in ways that just make no sense whatsoever. We also sometimes miss out on the fact that without power, we can't do anything. Can't do it in our houses, can't do it at our, in our own lives. And so here's what I want you to be aware of as we're moving through this whole series, and that's this. We're going to try to answer questions. We're, we're going to talk in some depth about the Holy Spirit. And, and we're going to challenge and encourage you to recognize without the Holy Spirit in your life, you do not have the power to do the things that God has intended for you to do. You know, when I read about the Holy Spirit in the Bible, I'm struck by the fact that having the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives means that we are utterly dependent upon Him and His power. Without Him, we can't do anything. There would be no church, no followers of Jesus, no good work. In fact, I'm caught by the words of A.W. Tozer, who was a writer back in the 20th century, he said these things. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would do would go on and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church in that first century, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. The challenging question that we have for us is, what about White Oak? If the Holy Spirit were to leave, would you notice? Would you know what to look for? Because the Holy Spirit is the critical person in the New Testament. Jesus dies to save us and to bring us back into relationship with God. But the New Testament is pretty straightforward that he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can live out a life that will bring glory and honor to God and people will be attracted to Jesus. Especially these last couple of weeks when we've been talking about Made for More, and we've been encouraging you to discover your gifts and to pay attention to what, how God's wired you and what are the things that He's calling you to do. Without the Holy Spirit, it's just a lot of activity. It's like we're back on a hamster wheel running as hard as we can, but we're not going to accomplish anything. The Holy Spirit is the central person in the work that we have to do yet today. The Holy Spirit is the third person in this triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is co-equal and co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son, Jesus. He's sometimes referred to in a way that emphasizes his character and his personality. 
Other times in the New Testament, he's, he's mentioned in ways that emphasizes his work and his power. And so those four things are what we're looking at over these four weeks. He is never referred to as a depersonalized it. He is a person. The purpose of the series is, is to bring you into a knowledge of the person of the Holy Spirit in order that you might come into a full and rich relationship with him. And it's my desire to so present his glory and his beauty that you will seek to yield your life to him fully and that you may know his grace, his love, his power, and the gifts that he wants to give to you. You see, he, he, is, he knows you and he wants you to know him. It's my prayer that you will also come to a vivid, glorious experience of the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. It's important that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is a person. Because if you think of the Holy Spirit only as an essence or as a power or as a breeze, it's really difficult to wrap your hands around and your arms around a relationship with just something that's just a breeze. This is not a Star Wars conversation. It's not just some ethereal force that goes on all around us. The Holy Spirit is a person. Because if you think of him as an impersonal force, as an unintelligent power that permeates the universe, you really cannot love him and you cannot call upon him in your time of need. I was struck as we were singing together this morning because the number of songs that were both reflections of what God has done in our lives and also the cry for God to be in my life. And according to the New Testament, God shows himself strong in our lives through the Holy Spirit in our life. So our big idea today is this. Know and be known by the Holy Spirit. Know and be known. The second part is somewhat easy. The Holy Spirit knows you. He knew you from the time that you were created in your mother's womb. He has known you all the way along during that time. But we struggle with knowing him. Because it's just kind of this little kind of strange, weird thing that we haven't really studied. So that's what we're after over these next weeks. Today I want to show you that the Holy Spirit is a person and that he is God. And because we talk a lot about God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, sometimes we just kind of run past the Holy Spirit. Instead, over these few weeks, we're going to dive a little deeper. We're going to peel back the curtain. We're going to look at him and shine the light on the Holy Spirit. Now, he doesn't always want to be in center stage, but we need to pay attention to that. Why is this important? Because he was sent by the Father at the request of Jesus to come alongside you in the midst of your struggle and difficulties to help you live out this life. So I just want us to jump in. Our key scripture today is John chapter 14, verse 16. It's on the screen. Listen as I read it. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Now I want you to notice in this one verse, Jesus says some of the most profound things about the Holy Spirit right off the bat. You can be assured that he is a person who cares for you. We don't, we're not going to move from the, the text. I just want to point out three phrases or three words. The first word that, that is there is that, that word another. Another advocate. This word is important because there were two words that Jesus could have chosen to describe the Holy Spirit. He could have used the word hetero, which was a Greek word that means uh, something that's similar or of a similar kind of of individual. It's the word that we use for heterosexual that says male and female. While there's some differences, there's a lot of similarities. And so it's hetero. Jesus does not choose that word. 
He chooses the word alos, A-L-L-O-S, which means another of the same kind. It's a stronger word than identical twin. He's saying, in essence, I am sending another one just like me. Just like me. We'll do the things that I've done. In fact, we'll do more things than what I have done. That's what he's saying about the Holy Spirit. We can understand the Holy Spirit then by the things that we saw Jesus do and the things that we saw Jesus say and the the feelings that Jesus had. Because he says, I'm sending you another one just like me. And we see him through Jesus' life, even though the Spirit is separate and distinct. And as a result, the Holy Spirit, again, is never impersonal. It's probably my one pet peeve when somebody says, you know, the Holy Spirit, it. That just... It's like fingernails on the chalkboard. Is there still chalkboards in your room? I'm sorry, that was really old, right? Hey, the Holy Spirit is a person that wants to be in relationship with you. The second phrase that I want you to recognize is another advocate. That word advocate there is very important. One who stands alongside. In fact, it's one who comes to live in your life. Other translations are comforter. We sang a little bit earlier the the need to have the Word of God in our lives to encourage us. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He comes in to comfort, to encourage us, to challenge us to live out a life that will bring glory and honor to God. You see, if there's one thing Jesus needs to establish with his disciples in the 14th chapter of John, is that they're never going to be alone. They're never going to be alone. There are going to be some things that are going to be challenging and scary and awful, but they will never be alone. The 14th chapter of John is where Jesus says, I'm going to the Father, and and I'm not going to be here any longer. And the disciples say, well, well, wait wait a minute. You're in charge. You're the one. You're the one we've been following. He says, don't worry. I'm going to send you another comforter just like me, just like me. Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is more than a force, an essence, or an energy. He is essential, and we can have a relationship with him. Third phrase I want you to pay attention to in that text is this. Who will never leave you? Who will never leave you? Man, when my kids were growing up, uh, every one of them in the church nursery uh, had separation anxiety. Maybe your kids have done this too. And the way in which we helped our kids with that is we took and gave them our keys. We said, we can't leave without the keys. Now, Jesus would never do this, but we did. We didn't give them our actual car keys. But we gave them keys, and the kids all go, yeah, Dad can't start the car. He can't drive away without the keys. So we're safe. Jesus does not do that. He gives you another person like himself who will never leave you. So when you're going through the difficult times, you do not have to wonder if he's there. He's there crying with you. He's there laughing with you. He's there trying to comfort you. He's there to encourage you. He's there who will sit silently with you at times because of the things that you're going through. When it says who will never leave you, that that tells me that the Holy Spirit is relatable. He's relatable. He knows me. He sees me. He wants to be with me. I read this recently. You can't understand the most important things from a distance. You have to get close. <coughs> a couple of weeks ago, we did Night to Shine at the Coleraine campus where we bring in individuals with special needs. And this was my, my buddy. He's been my buddy for the last six years. Actually, his name's Braden. Braden's a graduate of Oak Hills High School. He has very uh, profound challenges with uh, cerebral palsy. And, and uh, he is a brilliant man. But you don't see that from his outside. 
And because I got close to him, and Shanna was there as well, Shanna Hudson, because we were close to him, Braden laughs and he, and he tells us jokes and, and we begin to understand who he is. That's what God does through the Holy Spirit. He gets close to us. Now, a relatable being has several characteristics. You can lie to the Holy Spirit, it says. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can insult the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can't offend someone who's not a person, right? You maybe have tried this. You can't offend Siri. Have you ever noticed? Listen. Siri, I don't like you. That's not nice. Siri, stop talking to me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, she's pretty straightforward, right? Sounds a lot like my wife. No, that's a different thing. Uh, the, the challenge is you cannot offend something that's not real. It's artificial intelligence. Artificial. It's not real. The Holy Spirit's real. We can grieve Him. We can lie to Him. We can seek to offend Him. But the reality is He is a friend. We have a friend in Him. He is not Woody. It's not Toy Story. This is real. You have a friend in him. That word paraclete that we translate advocate is also encourager or comforter. And sometimes when we're left out on the island by ourselves, we do not spend time with him. We don't talk to him. We just are looking for anybody else to rescue us. And God says, please call out. I'm here with you. We'll learn about his promise and his presence and his power in this series. Last week, Nathan kicked that off with his presence, the reality that he is here. But it's all predicated on the foundation of his being a person. And because he's like Jesus, he is personal, he is spiritual, he is uncreated. Now from those passages that we read, that one passage there, we can safely conclude the Holy Spirit is indeed a person. Possessing all the characteristics of personality. And as a person, he can be known. And as a person, you may develop a relationship with him. And as a person, you can come into close, intimate fellowship with him. And as a person, you can commune with him. I want to submit to you that that when we do communion every week and we take that piece of bread and that cup of juice, we're not just remembering Jesus during that time. We know that he bled and died on our behalf that he brings salvation to our lives. But it says we're also to remember Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And we know that God is with Jesus and it was his plan. We know that Jesus gave his life for us. But do you realize the scripture says that he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you take that piece of bread and you take that cup of juice, you are not only communing with Jesus, you're not only communing with God, you are communing with the Holy Spirit too because it was His power that raised Jesus from the dead. Our big idea, know and be known by the Holy Spirit. Here's something even more important. The Holy Spirit is divine. I I know you've heard me kind of talk about Him being God, but I just want to read a few scriptures that, that just show us that He is God. I mean, I'm going to read four different scriptures. And, and there was this particular tool that both the Hebrews and the, and the Greeks, Romans used too. And that is when you, when you talk about two things being equal, the other thing that you mention, if you mention a third thing, it's also equal. It's one and the same. And, and that parallelism we see both in Greek writing and we see it in Hebrew writing. And that's why this is so important. It's similar to me saying me, myself, and I. All three of those are the same. Well, listen as I read these scriptures. They'll be on the screen behind me. 
The first one's from 2 Corinthians 13. It says this, May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Second one's also from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says very simply, It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Peter goes on, he writes a little bit later on, he says, To you who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkle with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. And finally, the scripture that we often read during baptisms, Matthew chapter 28, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You, you see, these and other scriptures put us right there where we recognize that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He is God. And, but why do we use the words wind and fire? Where, where do those come from? That's our title of our series. Why would we use that? Because the Bible uses those same terms. In fact, in the second chapter of Acts, after Jesus has ascended to heaven and God begins to do something brand new on the earth and that's sending forth the Holy Spirit, here's how it says. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting and then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Notice there is the wind. Earlier, Jesus has talked in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus about being born again. He uses a similar kind of picture when he says this, the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Well, what do we learn from these two passages of Scripture about the Holy Spirit? I think there are three things about His work and about Him. The first thing that I learn is He can't be contained. He cannot be contained. How often the Bible writers ask us to pray for understanding of how wide and long and high and deep God's care is for us. God can't be contained. Holy Spirit can't be contained. He is hard to understand because He is not us. There's no breakout room, though, from which he can't escape in record time. The minute we try to describe him or bind him is the minute we realize his immensity. And that's true of the wind. Anytime you try to describe the wind or you try to contain the wind, you realize you can't do that. You just can't contain it. It blows where it wants to. goes where it wants to. And that's the picture that Jesus is painting of the Holy Spirit. Second thing I learned about the Holy Spirit in this passage of Scripture is it can't be controlled. He can't be controlled. One of our traits as people is we wish to control situations, right? I mean, it's empowering and comforting to know that I'm in charge, that I'm in control, that I can define things the way that I want to define them. But that's not true for wind and fire. A couple weeks ago, I was in Florida and on, a, on a little tour And a retired fireman was leading that, and he pointed off in the distance. He said, see that black smoke over there? Um, We are doing a prescribed burn in that area. Everybody kind of looked at him perplexed because we'd not really heard that term before. And he said, well, here's the deal. We used to call it controlled burn, 
But we realized we can't control fire. And there were times when we would do a controlled burn, and it would burn way more than what we wanted to. And so the insurance companies would get really excited about it. So now we say, it's prescribed burn. It's dangerous. Fire is dangerous. We can't control it. So we want to burn in this area. Be careful. Prescribed burn. That's the same kind of thing with the Holy Spirit. I can't just contain him. I can't just expect him to do things the way that I want them done. I mean, have you ever stood in the wind and just marveled at the strength of something so invisible? How can it bend over trees? How can it blow off shingles? How can it do the things it does? Because I can't see it. And don't you just love the weather forecasters who try to predict what the wind may do? Yeah. Of course, there are rules of physics at work, but the wind is still unpredictable. And God is like that too. I'm reminded of a passage in Proverbs chapter 36. It'll be on the screen. You can read along. Look, God is greater than we can understand. His years cannot be counted. He draws up the water vapor and then distills it into rain. The rain pours down from the clouds, and everyone benefits. Who can understand the spreading of the clouds and the thunder that rolls forth from the heaven? See how he spreads the lightning around him and how it lights up the depths of the sea. By these mighty acts, he nourishes the people, giving them food in abundance. He fills his hands with lightning rods lightning bolts, excuse me, and hurls each at its targets. The thunder announces his presence. The storm announces his indignant anger. He can't be contained. He can't be controlled. But this third one is this. He can't be caught. He can't be caught. The wind is everywhere. I mean, you can't reach out and grab it, right? You don't want to be sticking your hands in the fire. You can't be holding on to it, even with asbestos gloves. You can't do that. And, and that sometimes we, we forget about that because we watch how people can do things in the wind and in the fire. They, but in the first century, that could not have happened. And so the analogy is very simple, that you can't catch the wind, that you can't hold on to fire, you can't make it blow, you can't make it burn, it just does it. And the Holy Spirit is more than a force, more than the energy, more than essence. You can't turn him off. You can't harness him. He's the one that works transformation in my life and in your life, not you. See, that's one of the things that, that we get in trouble with sometimes. We, we talk about, I want to change my own life. I can't do that. The Holy Spirit changes me as I am obedient to him, as I release my life to him. And we'll talk more about that over these next couple of weeks as we talk about promise and we talk about power. John 14, the whole passage says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And can I just encourage you to take those two verses home today and underline what's most important to you? Is it another one just like Jesus? Is it an advocate who speaks on your behalf? Is it one who will never leave you? Is it one who is teaching you the truth, the word of God? Is it one that you can receive, that you can know now, but also lives in you? Which of those, which of those promises are most important to you? This afternoon, I'd like for you to take that, take your Bible and just kind of underline that, put a circle around the thing that you need for this week. Because our big idea is to know and be known by the Holy Spirit. 
So through the grace of God, I am praying that during this series of studies, God will give you a knowledge of the Holy Spirit, such a hunger for the Holy Spirit, such a thirsting for the Holy Spirit, that you will come to know Him as He's been revealed to us in the Bible. And as you come into a deep, personal, intimate relationship with Him, your life will be absolutely transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. We have two special classes coming up. One's this Tuesday and then in a couple more weeks led by Dr. Jack Cottrell, his personal friend. And we're going to dive even deeper into the Scripture and what the understanding of the Holy Spirit is. The Coleraine Campus, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Please, put it on your counter. Come on. Uh, Great conversations, great teaching, good challenge. Because it's my purpose in the midst of this series to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. And it's my prayer that you come into a long and fruitful relationship with Him, that you will come to depend upon Him for guidance, for your help, for your strength, for your comfort, and for your power. And I pray that He will come and that He will become closer to you than any person you know. May you be bathed in His glory, and may you yield to His influence as you allow Him to conform your life into the image of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, please? Father, it's in this moment that we're reminded again of the work that you do in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for being at work in our lives, for not leaving us alone. Even in the difficult times of our lives, you are there. So Holy Spirit, teach us. Holy Spirit, empower us. Holy Spirit, by your presence, remind us that you care for us and that you never leave us. Father, for those of us who are struggling today, empower us through the Holy Spirit. For those of us who are rejoicing today, strengthen us through the Holy Spirit. For those of us who are wondering today, teach us through the Holy Spirit. For it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.